Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Out of the Cave podcast. This podcast, you, you could say it's about a lot of things, but really the real purpose of this podcast is a way for me to have conversations with people I find interesting and want to speak with. I've always been interested in what it means to be a man, personality, relationships, morality, the existence of God, and a bunch of other topics in that same vein. I hope you'll enjoy these conversations and take something away like I will. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. John Gray, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Oh, really happy to be with you. Yeah, it is a complete pleasure of mine to have you here today. I've followed your work for a long time now, probably going back to my years in high school, and I'm post-college now, so been a fan of yours for a long time. And uh, yeah, I really want to talk to you today. My audience is mostly younger men and the name out of the cave for those who already listened to the podcast is about the allegory of the cave, kind of this ascent from the darkness, from less knowledge into the light of understanding. And also kind of that double meaning of man cave, men kind of retreat to our man caves, but we also have to get back out into the world. Um, so I think you're going to be a great guest for this podcast and for this audience. So yeah, let's dive in. Uh, the first thing I really wanted to talk to you about is a lot of young guys today are kind of like looking to get into more serious relationships. I'm talking to guys who are like college aged or post-college, like those years where maybe you kind of want to start thinking about having a family. Like if you want to have these kind of serious relationships with women and you don't even really know to where to start, like, let's just start from there. Like how can men kind of find these relationships that are directed towards that end? Okay, well, a lot of what I teach out of my 27 books and 50 years of doing this is age-appropriate wisdom. And our, we have, we're an evolving organism, and at different ages, our hormones change, our brain develops, and so forth. Uh, in your 20s, and I wrote a whole book on the different stages of development of the brain and what our major lessons are. And in our 20s, our major lesson is self-discovery, is finding yourself. And the opposite of not knowing yourself is taking things personally. So somebody shoots me the finger, I wanna shoot it back, then I took it personally. You're in a relationship and somebody rejects you and you reject them back, you took it personally. The opposite of taking it personally is curiosity and then compassion. Okay, that's a non-reactive state. Now, nobody's got that until you really practice that a lot. But that, that's what that dynamic's about. So the 20s is about fully developing your prefrontal cortex of the brain, which fully develops if you work at it by age 28. Now, what's interesting is that couples who get married before 28, say you're 22 or 23 and you get married, uh, often they have a lot of diff extra difficulties. And the reason I say that, and the reason I'm bringing all this into brain development is that the highest rate of divorce of all categories is people around age 28 because there's a shift where you get a clarity about what your meaning and purpose is in life. It just comes in, you start to, I mean, we all have a sense of purpose, which is if you're the male side of us, the purpose is to be of service, to be successful, to make a difference. The female side of us is to be happy, be fulfilled, to enjoy your life, pleasure, love, happiness, joy. So, you know, we, we have to be a balance of what feels good to us to do and what is also feels good because of the results we produce. So this is our male and female side. And the younger generation today has been taught to a great extent not to be masculine. And the girls are being taught to be masculine. And that came about as a 60s revolution. I was a hippie in the 60s. There was a shift that took place after World War II. It was the time where no more war, everybody felt safe. You can be yourself. 
And during the war, both in Russia and in America, women ran the country because the men were all dying and they're all at going to war. They went to the factories and women said, you know, hey, I got muscles. I can do this. And <laughs> That's right. That's I think right. I think there's actually a shift in consciousness where women are, we all are free to be our true self, our authentic selves. Everybody today, everybody wants to be authentic of who I am. But who we are is a balance on a spiritual level of masculine and feminine. But who we are in our physical body is you're born with certain characteristics of masculinity or certain characteristics of femininity. And it's ruled by literally the biology of the physical body. The biology of the physical body is controlled by, limited by hormones. If a woman makes too many masculine hormones and not enough female hormones, she will be unhappy. She may be successful, she may make money, she may succeed in her success, but she will be unhappy and that's proven. We know that well-being only occurs when we're in a low cortisol state. If your cortisol levels elevate, that's a stress hormone, you're gonna not be in a sense of feeling happy and fulfilled. Something's missing big time. And for men, it's just the opposite. This is how men and women are different, is that when men have uh, too much estrogen, the female hormone, and not enough testosterone, the male hormone, then they feel lost. They feel, uh, they have addictions. Anytime you have addictions, you're on your female side. The female side of us is dependent on something outside of us to make us happy, having ice cream, for example. Now, I like ice cream, but too much is not a good thing. Uh, anything that makes you happy, too much sex. Oh, sex always feels good, but leaves you depleted if you do too much. So everything is, is good, too much of a good thing is not a good thing. Women going to their male side, good thing, but too much means they're, not, they're neglecting their female side. They're overwhelmed and they're stressed and they, their mind goes into a bias towards negativity. They complain too much and they have problems. They're never satisfied if they're too far on their male side. And men have less motivation, less commitment, less sexual vitality and virility and calm, cool and collectedness if they're too far on their female side. So what we wanna do is recognize this is a good thing to have access to both our male and female sides, but also to recognize we have a body that requires certain types of hormonal balance if we wanna be happy and fulfilled. Yeah, you said a lot of things that I want to kind of dive into. The first, I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, Aristotle's mean between two extremes, where he talks about oh. the the where where we find virtue or the good mean is between two extremes, like what you're saying. On one side, you know, if you want ice cream, you could overindulge and you know get super fat and eat ice cream every day and you know die of heart attack or diabetes, right? On the other side of that, you never touch ice cream because you're scared of becoming that obese person. But in between is that beautiful mean of enjoying ice cream in its proper place, right? Not overindulging it and not underindulging it, but enjoying it for what it is and not turning into that addiction. Um, off of that, though, one of the first things you were talking about is kind of bec becoming comfortable in who we are, especially at this time, like your mid-20s, becoming comfortable in who you are. I think this has a big part in especially relationships, both for men and women, recognizing who you are and becoming comfortable with who you are, especially in, in the male, just not caring what people think and the female, especially, I think as well, females tend to care about what other people think a lot, right? And it kind of affects the way that they go about their lives. And, and that's probably part of, part of the biology that comes into play here as well. But then how do you think then getting to a place where we can actually have healthy relationships, we have to become that like that person who we are, like comfortable in our own skin. 
Well, you said it also really, really nicely. I like that, the balance of two extremes. Now in Asia, ancient Asia, it was called the yin and the yang. You know, they've done this for a long time and you go too far yin, uh, that becomes a problem. You go too far yang, that becomes a problem. And today we have the opposite problem, which is women have become too young, too masculine, and men have become too feminine. And the way it all happened, see, I was there when it happened in the 60s. I was a hippie. I grew up my hair. I grew in, I grew up in Houston, Texas. I'm a Texan. All right. And, and I, got, I got kicked out of school for having long hair and bell-bottom pants. Literally, I couldn't wear <laughs> bell-bottom pants. And I had to get a haircut. And I refused. So I got kicked out. And then I cut my hair eventually and, and adjusted. But... I was going to my female side. You know, I demonstrated against the war in Vietnam. I said, I don't want to go to Vietnam. I lucked out. I didn't get forced to go, but I didn't want to go. And so it's, these are all anti-male things. See, this was, and that we free love sex. You know, it was said, don't wait till you're married. Everybody's gonna have a sex now. See, this was men just gobbling up all this good, feel good feeling. And it felt really good because historically men have been restricted to just their male side behaviors and women were restricted to just their female side behaviors. But something happened in our consciousness where now women could be on both sides and men could be on both sides. And practically speaking, after World War II, women could be on their male side and say, I like it over there. Well, if a woman is stuck over in her female side, way on the right over here, and now she goes towards the left, on her way passing even too far to the left in that midpoint is the ecstasy. And that's what you're talking about, the mean. The balance. That's where you balance your masculine and feminine. That's where you have passion in life. That's where you have sustained interest. That's where you have motivation. That's where your purpose, that's where your genius, that's where your creativity, all that good stuff. You glimpse it going back and forth. And what we want to do is balance those two things inside of us. And we have to know our in huge vulnerability. Now, let me explain what a huge vulnerability is. Yeah, please do. If I take cocaine, now I, I will become addicted. The brain just says, I want that, I want that, okay? So that's called addiction. It's a vulnerability, a high, when you find that balance place, that mean, it just, cocaine just produces so many hormones, you just go, I want that, okay, that feels so good. Sex can do that as well, you know, it's just, oh, I want that, but then it leaves you depleted because you don't stay in that balanced place. So what we want is to recognize that Things that feel really good are not necessarily good for us, which you said so nicely. Thank you. So Thank if I'm a guy and I'm on my feeling side and I say, you know, you're too much on your feeling side, you need to go back to your masculine side, which is detached. And why do I say detachment is masculine? Because it produces testosterone. And why do I say your feeling side is feminine? Because it produces estrogen. And we know if you have a woman's body, if you have a vagina and you don't have a penis, now, you know, there are exceptions. There are exceptions in this world. Some people, one out of 10,000 people was born with a penis and a vagina. Yeah, but they're the, kind of the exception to the rule. That's right. So there's a big curve and they're way on one extreme, way on the other. But the reality is, if you're a man and you go too far to your female side, you'll make more estrogen, your stress levels will go up. And if you're a woman and you're over on your male side producing testosterone and you're not making estrogen, your stress levels will go up. And this is the opposite. We are opposites in that way. The next thing is to know that when men's testosterone levels are 10 times higher than a woman's on average, he's gonna be, has a sense of well-being. If they go down, he's gonna be stressed. If they go down, he'd be depressed. He has anxieties. He can't perform sexually. 
as he wishes. He has lack of motivation and he's vulnerable to addiction. And because his male side is weak, he'll easily go over to his female side and do something external to make him happy. What produces testosterone is when you are self-reliant, when you're self-sufficient, when you're not depending on others. What produces estrogen is when you are depending on others, when you're open to receiving help, when you're getting help, estrogen levels go up. Now, no person is an extreme either one. I need help and also I'm independent. So if somebody makes me happy, now this is relationship stuff. I'm with my, well, with my wife. She makes me very happy. And one day she's rejecting me. Well, that doesn't make me happy, does it? Well, I was so happy because I was depending on her thinking I'm so wonderful. That's my female side. I'm depending on her to make me feel really good. You know, other people make me feel good, but my wife makes me feel better. That's why we're in intimate relationships. So, or one of the reasons. So she's making me feel really good. Now today she's not. So rather than dwell on that, that means, oh, I'm negative. I'm out of balance. I come back to my male side and I say, okay, well, I don't depend on her to make me happy all the time. I depend on her to make me happier. See, that's a healthy relationship. Yeah, like that seems to be the key, especially like I've noticed in my own relationship, my first like serious relationship, I I was very detached. And this is why I attract, I actually attracted a senior girl, beautiful girl when I was a freshman in college and I started dating her. And then, and I was very confident coming into college. I had, I was part of a startup and I had taken a gap year and I had traveled and I was kind of in a more confident place than my other uh, peers in my class. And, you know, attracted this woman to me right away. But then I kind of fell into the pitfall of then falling in, I guess what we can say is my feminine side and falling into that longing for this kind of, this dopamine that I was getting from her. And then it, in the and opposite estrogen. of, yeah, and the opposite of, yeah, I, I got estrogen and then she lost more attraction to me. And it was kind of like a chasing yes. and a falling away. It's kind of this balance, like a dance between the two when we, we pursue and then we pull away and then they come to us and then they pull away. It's a, it's a very interesting dynamic between the masculine and feminine. We can't really get away from this biological factor that's there. Nicely said. You know, one of the ideas that men are from Mars, women are from Venus is that men go to their cave. And that was the whole beginning of this whole man cave thing is that men go to their cave. And in that book, I explained that men, women need to understand that when a, when a guy goes to his cave, it doesn't necessarily mean he's upset with her. It means that he was stressed. He's running low on testosterone. And if he connects with her, connection produces estrogen and estrogen lowers his testosterone more. So the last thing we can do at that time is go to our female side if we want to rebuild our testosterone. So men go to their cave, which is a place to detach from relationship. You need to disconnect from relationship for a little while. That, is, that means you're being independent, not being dependent on her approval, her acceptance, her smile, or her vagina. You're not dependent on that. You're depending on yourself to be happy. Now you're not masturbating. That's the problem for young guys. You got so much testosterone and when it goes down, you're missing it. You wanna pump it up by masturbating, going and doing porn, which is proven to lower your testosterone. It's yeah, it's incredibly harmful. You're extremely vulnerable to it. It's once, you, once you're more on your, you're doing what you love to do in life, your testosterone is down. And the easy way to pump your testosterone up for four minutes <laughs> is <laughs> to masturbate. 
and you go online and they, you know, they even say statistically, cause they know on the computers, how long males last on the, on, on a particular site, just enough time to masturbate. And the whole time when they're online at a porn site is eight minutes. So they got to look through all the girls, they got to pick the girl and then <laughs> in about four minutes they're done, if not faster than that. It's an addiction, it's a cocaine high. And so what happens with cocaine is that your brain becomes desensitized, you need more stimulation, so it becomes an addiction. And the outcome of it is just get this, this is proven. The outcome of it is your testosterone levels drop and they drop and they drop. And that causes you this instinct inside to either, either or withdraw, and actually it's a little bit of both, with extremely withdrawal because your body knows if I can detach, I can rebuild my testosterone. But the body is confused because the only way you really rebuild testosterone in your cave is if you used it up through expressing your masculine qualities. So if you go to work, you're doing a job that maybe you don't even like. That's actually the best testosterone stimulator because you feel, I don't enjoy it, but I have to do it. Get that. This is like really important. That's really interesting. Yeah. If you want to build testosterone, you do something you don't like to do, but you have to do for the money. And what do you want the money for? So you can take care of yourself. And if you've got a girlfriend, nice, nice, for, nice, do nice things for her, put in your savings, have a better life later, whatever you're going to do. But you're, whenever you do what you have to do for an outcome, a noble outcome to help somebody or help yourself later, make money so you can do nice things. That's your female side. Oh, and I can go out and go to dinner or go to the movies or, you know, go uh, spring break, you know, yeah. <laughs> pick it up. By the way, drinking it up is a big estrogen producer. Partying is a big estrogen producer. That's why you, you're, you're like dead men afterwards. Your testosterone is crashed. Now, you, then going to your cave in that situation doesn't rebuild your testosterone. That's the problem. Your brain goes, because in the past, people, men couldn't party it up. You just weren't yeah. allowed. You had to work. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, you know, survival, security, you got to pay the bills. You got to go in the hunt. You got to kill the animals. You know, you have to go and you, you have to th survive the difficult. These are things you have to do. Whenever you do something you have to do in service to others or for a noble outcome, that sacrifice without complaining is testosterone producing. But what happens is it makes testosterone and then it gets used up by all that action. Then if you go to your cave, your body will make more. Now, what's the, how did I get into this? This has got yeah. action and rest. And you know, my, in my early thirties, I was working out in the gym. And the funniest thing is I noticed that uh, gym rats, they call them gym rats, always had libido products. And I'm going, who needs a libido product? You know, <laughs> I got an erection every morning. I still do at <laughs> 70 years old, you know? So this is kind of like got a job to do here. So so I go, why? Because they would go to the gym too much and they'd use up all their testosterone. So actually they didn't have enough because their body was using it all to build those muscles. So too much of a good thing. Now I go to the gym and then I take time to rest a couple of days to rest. Then I go back. You, and this is what was known. And the most weightlifters know this. If you push your muscles to the max, then rest, your body will rebuild your testosterone. If you don't push your muscles, you don't produce testosterone by going to your cave. Now it's not just muscles because we're not just muscle being, we use yeah. our brain. 
that you're out there using your brain to solve problems, to fix things, to make the world a better place, to make the people in the world benefit from you. And that's called work. All work is providing a service for the benefit of others, and then you get paid for it. So you do that, you make testosterone to do those things, but you use it up to various degrees. Then if you come home and go to your cave, watch TV for a while, read the news, watch the news, work out in a gym, go for a drive in your car, meditate is the most powerful, which anybody in your 20s, this is the time to learn how to meditate. It's such a good thing. It's the foundation of all my success, but that's another subject. Maybe we'll get into it. <laughs> another tangent, yeah. The, it is a rebuilder of testosterone because my wife would be push my buttons, upset me. If I complain to her, if I blame her, if I argue with her, what happens? My estrogen just goes higher and higher. And this is news to every young man, every old man. When you verbalize at somebody you're angry with and you argue, it only creates more estrogen and it lowers your testosterone. Interesting. Just like ejaculation. Ejaculation will lower your estrogen, raise estrogen and lower your testosterone. Now, some of it's fine. Okay. But too much is your problem. Everything is too much of a good thing is not a good thing. And the worst thing you can do for your testosterone levels is to do it alone. If you do it alone, it goes, just keeps going lower and lower. So a lot of guys are 21 and they get in a relationship with a girl. And after having sex for a few weeks, they're not, they can't even get an erection with her. They lose interest in her. They start pouting or not liking or get their feelings hurt or whatever. You know, this is all this neediness, which is happening in young men, because we can go to our female side and be happier. We're happy guys, but then we're unhappy guys because we don't have enough of our male energy. So, you know, in this book that you're reading now is all about, you get to the sections, all the things we do, can do to rebuild our testosterone. But one of the most important things I want to cover today when you're angry and you get angry at someone or argue with them, raise your voice, you're actually raising estrogen and lowering your testosterone. Mm-hmm. And what women can know if they're listening as well is that whenever you complain to a guy, you're lowering his testosterone and you're creating pathways in your brain to only see negativity rather than positivity. Uh, one Nobel prize was, uh, was awarded for discovering that neurons that fire together grow together. So if you're not getting what you want and you have a negative reaction and you use that negative reaction to get more, to get what you want, now you have more neural connectors in your brain to automatically go to looking at what's wrong, using negativity to get what you want, rather than using love, appreciation, uh, asking for help, asking for support. Because, you know, hidden behind every complaint is actually a request. Mm -hmm. And if, if you're under stress, if your hormones are out of balance... It's the, every request is a demand and it will only suppress a man's testosterone. He'll lose interest in you. And if a woman complains too much, you'll lose interest in her. So the key is we don't want to control people. So when my wife would sometimes complain, I get my buttons pushed. That's yeah. called I have a reaction. Then I would now not buy into that and think that she caused me to feel this way. This is called self-realization. You triggered me to feel this way but actually my feelings are based upon my faulty interpretation of reality. And one aspect of it, which is I need you to like me all the time. Yeah. To feel like I'm a good person. Yeah. That's a so big, this is, that's a big problem that keeps coming up for a lot of people. Yeah. It's called people pleasing. So an example of people pleasing is I remember when I was 19 and I was kind of having dinner with the in crowd, people I wanted to, to be, you know, good people that I liked and I wanted to, be part of them. And so I'm part of them now. And 
we're having this uh, at this restaurant and I said, oh, did you see this particular movie? I forget what it was. And I said, oh yeah. And then they said, what'd you think? Now this was a bit of a controversial movie. So I was immediately afraid, well, if I liked it, will they like me? If I don't like it, will they like me? That's called people pleasing. Okay. Yeah, that, worrying. That's worrying. Yeah, worrying what they think of me. And, and we, you know, life is about, we do care about what other people think, it's, but we shouldn't care too much. And when we're caring too much, it's a sign that our hormones are out of balance. And for men, you need to take some time and reflect not to uh, get upset with somebody, but to take responsibility for what upset you. When things trigger you, you realize, okay, what am I feeling? And you write out what you feel, anger, sadness, fear, and regret. There's always four emotions <laughs> and then express what it is you want. As you do this more, you'll begin to realize that all these emotions are just primitive reactions. If they're negativity, they're conditioned responses. And by becoming aware of them, almost like you're a parent to a little child, mm -hmm. you just listen mm -hmm. to the child be upset, but you don't, the child says, I want my ice cream. I want my ice cream. You don't give them the ice cream. You let them cry about it and say, it's going to be okay. One day we'll have ice cream again. Yeah. And they're all fine yeah. again. So you don't act on those negative emotions, but you don't suppress them either. You listen to them. So journaling them, this works for women and for men. This yeah. is the dealing with whenever you have negativity, you don't want to suppress it, but you don't want to act on it. Now, what psychology has taught us, don't suppress it. But what they do is the only option is if you don't suppress it, people express it. And that ruins relationships. Too much talking about feelings if they're negative is not helpful at all in relationships. Yeah. We need to express authentic positive emotions, not our authentic negative emotions. Authenticity, who you truly are, is a positive being. When you are negative, that is not who you truly are. And we have to recognize that is not who we truly are. So you recognize, okay, I don't want to spew my negativity on someone. I'm going to fake it. Maybe I have to pretend to be nice for a little while. But I go, okay, this is something I've been triggered. I don't want to hold on to that. I don't want to suppress that. So in my private moments, I'm going to independently process it and let it go. And a way to do it is to write out what you're feeling, the four levels, what it is that you're wanting to hear, what I want to hear, what I would have wanted to happen is this, this, this. And then use positive visualization. The way you do this is you write a letter to yourself and imagine that person responding to your feelings and saying the things you want to hear. I understand you're angry with me because I understand you're disappointed with me because I understand you're concerned and afraid of this. And I understand you feel sorry, but it's not your fault. I'm, <laughs> it's my fault. I apologize to you. It's so easy to find forgiveness if you imagine someone apologizing to you yeah. and saying how they should have treated you, how they should have treated you if they're a better person. And then you say, now, how do I feel? Well, I feel good now. And you use your <laughs> imagination to do this. Because in reality, any negativity you have, you're imagining the situation to be worse than it is. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's the conditioning from our childhood. This is all basic psychology is mm -hmm. we have all this reactivity mm -hmm. and we're just overreacting to the moment if we can really own that. But the yeah. great thing about these new ideas and beyond mm -hmm. Mars and Venus is that to process your negative emotions, if you're a man, Sometimes before you can actually get to that place where you just don't want to throw it at somebody or you're repressing it is you need to raise your testosterone a bit more. So that yeah. means take a time out, 
Go drive your motorcycle, go drive your car. This is testosterone producing. Oh, Don't yeah, drive I know too that. Fast. <laughs> and play some good music, do some meditation, do some weightlifting, do some exercise. Uh, you can do any creative activity. If you're a musician, play your guitar, do anything that distracts you from what were you upset about? You're going to say, I'm not going to worry about it for now. I'm going to let it go temporarily. I'm going to not entertain any of those thoughts. Just put them in a box, do something to make me feel good, then come back and embrace them, process them, then open your heart and go back and be a better person. That's yeah. the whole key to this thing. Your commitment to you are in charge of being a better person, not other people. Don't give other people the power to determine how you feel. They, they will trigger you. That's okay. Let them trigger you because every time you're triggered and you process it, you will come to a deeper and greater part of who you are, which will be free. That's right. Yeah. I think the, the what you're talking about is kind of like this idea of affect regulation, being in control of our emotions and realizing when we're like, when we're thrown off balance, like one thing that I've been working on recently, I had a temper when I was a kid and now as an adult realizing that, oh, like, oh, I'm, I'm a little upset or I'm tired, I'm hungry. And like knowing where I am emotionally and, and kind of stepping back, like, yeah, like one of my favorite things to do is go for a car ride and listen to music loud and, and just kind of like step back. And, and uh, yeah, it's like that, that detaching from the situation and recharging almost. And yeah, I guess recharging my testosterone, like detaching from the world, detaching from that situation, that problem, whatever. And one of my rule is that if I ever get really upset, I take a walk. I just have to get out. I have to like almost go to my mental cave for a little bit and then come back and then I can be a civil person. And like one thing I, that I keep learning, I'm, I'm in a, a great relationship right now with a wonderful girl. And uh, one thing, one lesson that I keep learning is if I'm triggered, I, uh, I, I'm thinking about myself. I'm thinking like, oh, she, she did this thing. I don't like this thing, whatever, whatever the problem might be. And if I kind of shift my mindset, kind of like doing what you're talking about, shift it to that imagination. Like she didn't mean to hurt me. She's not doing anything. She's, she's, you know, she's got her own stuff going on. And if I actually approach the situation, when I do talk to her is I'm here to love her. And then I ask her like, what was your day? Like what, what's going on with you? Instead of like, you did this to me. I'm upset. Or I'm unhappy. I'm unhappy. Then it, it works itself out. And I, it's a lesson I keep learning. And I think it's something that we have to kind of learn. And if we don't learn, then we have unhealthy relationships. We, they end in divorce. They, they don't have any passion in them, but if we can learn this lesson, I think of we're here for the other person. And if we can own our own emotions and step back, like what you're talking about, then we can actually have these healthy relationships that are way more fulfilling for both people. And then the female can go into her female side. The masculine can go into his masculine side. And there's not this kind of headbutting tension and pulling and pushing that goes on in uh, relationships that we, that we can see without this knowledge. Yeah, there's a, a, a great thing. There's two things. One is when you find yourself wanting to argue, you're wanting to change the other person's point of view. There's an attachment. Mm -hmm. And see, we think we have to change other people if, we want, if we're gonna get the love, the success, the appreciation. You know, I want everybody to like me or a lot of people to like me and buy my books and be my <laughs> friends. And, and, you know, I drive a really cool car. I like sometimes when somebody says, hey, cool car. You know, yeah. you know we like. <laughs> it's not like I'm this detached person. I don't care what anybody thinks. I do care. I just don't care too much. Mm -hmm. If somebody shoots me the finger, I, I <laughs> say they must be having a hard day. Yeah. I don't have to shoot it back. I don't have to get upset. You know, occasionally I still notice I'm a master of this stuff. You know, I've got this race car and somebody <laughs> gets next to me, car that I could leave in the dust, you know, and they're, they're trying to start out faster than me 
I have this temptation to just put them into the dust and take <laughs> off my car would go in three sec less than three seconds. So I mean, without even making a big noise, it just shoots off. And th that's faster than my Tesla and Teslas are unbelievably fast. Oh, yeah. So I'm not going to get into that competitive thing with him, but I noticed a part of me was to just show him he's nothing compared to my car. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is monkey business. You know, this is monkey business. But when I drive fast, it's for my own pleasure and when it's safe. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Of course, you know, of course. <laughs> on a track. Yeah. You can, no, not on a track, but on the open freeway when there's not a lot of cars around. Yeah, not, yeah. For me, I go pretty fast that way. And you can be, as a man, you can test out. I want you to identify three different hormones dopamine now dopamine will raise your testosterone now dopamine is when you're looking at a hot chick okay or you're, you're starting to get sexually aroused are you really interested like right now if somebody's interested in what we're saying that's dopamine there's pleasure and learning new things oh that's a new idea oh i got that that's cool i can apply that that's dopamine now you're driving your car and you're enjoying your car drive now go a little faster and you know for me it's like around uh, well, in a regular car, not my fast car, but in a regular car around 80, 75, I get this extra uh, pleasure. That's adrenaline. It's normal okay, Texas so highway speeds. <laughs> What's that? Normal Texas highway speeds. Yeah, that's good about Texas, not California. That's yeah, no. <laughs> okay, so now you're, you're, good, you're getting up to 70 or 80. There's a little, that's adrenaline being produced, okay? Now, you can notice the difference. Then go up to about 100. And if you're not comfortable with 100, that's cortisol. Mm. You know, now I have such a fast car that you feel like you're just going 80 when you're going 110. So out on the highway. So it, it takes actually going higher than that to like, uh, you know, 150 or something for cortisol to be really produced. But yeah. everybody's got their different comfort zones. But just to know when cortisol is being produced, blood flow stops to the front part of the brain. You no longer have choice. All you have is monkey conditioning. Hmm. So if you had if you had a conditioning, if you were an angry kid at ch as a child, and you let your cortisol levels go high, you'll become angry. You can't stop it. But what you can do is immediately go to another room and don't engage, because if you talk at that time, you can stop talking because monkeys don't talk. Uh, <laughs> you can you can stop talking and then face another direction. You know, I used to see this. You know, in the movies about guys in bars they're all fighting in the bars and their friends will pull them off and point them in another direction. Literally that pointing in another direction, never look into a woman's eyes if she's upset with you. That's the Greeks talked about that Medusa. You know, if you look in her eyes, yeah. you turn to stone. That means you shut down completely. It can take days to open your heart again before your heart testosterone rebuilds. So these are like really powerful things is just don't engage. But you don't have, just because something's upsetting you a little bit, you can still engage in a way that allows you to feel in control. Now, what I mean by control is you want to feel that I'm doing something that's helpful and it's going to result in something good. Maybe I don't like this conversation so much. You know, I'd like to have it be smoother. So that's, a that's like adrenaline producer. As long as I know I'm in control of myself to, do, to make this better. I'll give you an example one day. Bonnie was talking, going on for a long time, and I'm practicing listening because I know women need a man to listen to them. <laughs> yep. And that goes up. That's important. <clears throat> but, you know, my it just felt like this was a waste of time. My energy was dropping. She saw me kind of slumping, struggling to hear her. And she said to me, it, was, it just changed my life, this one phrase. She said, John, I know you think this is a waste of time. And I just want you to know it's really helping me. And I appreciate it a lot. 
instantly my energy came up. <clears throat> my testosterone came up because I understood that I was doing something of great value to her. And most men do not know that. So they feel exhausted listening to a woman. And women do not know that men need that encouragement and positive messaging. Mm -hmm. Men need that. They don't instinctively have the knowledge that, oh, I'm helping you because yeah. you're not solving anything. We're just complaining about life. You know, what ways, what's that about? Yeah, I'm getting stressed uh, out. <laughs> yeah, it would just, because see, we, when, when you solve problems, when you feel you're solving a problem, your testosterone goes up, even if it's a difficult problem. So when my wife is upset, I have a, like, it's like an award. I see that it's a love guarantee. I visualize this, you know, a golden ribbon, you know, with a round <laughs> thing that says winner, you know, it's a love guarantee you have as a man, if you don't react and you provide what she needs and what she needs is patience. She needs time. She needs curiosity. She needs your focus. And she needs you most of all to ask questions. Most men don't know the questions. So you're out of control. You yeah. just, either you're making it wrong or you're sitting there doing nothing and feeling exhausted, powerless. And that's the most defeating thing for testosterone. Ask the questions. What questions do you ask? Now there yeah. could be more, but these are your basics. This is every man needs to know this when she's talking. Don't talk, listen. Occasionally she pauses, you ponder it and you say, help me understand that better. Anytime you want to talk, you want to explain to her why she shouldn't think that way, why you're <laughs> going to solve a problem. You're yeah. going to give her some advice. Because when a woman is not happy, it's like a fire. You want to put out the fire. The way you put out the fire is let her put out her own fire and you get credit for it. There's a love guarantee. There's an award. Not only does she feel better, but she's grateful for, for you for helping her to feel better by not trying to solve her problem to fix her or push out her feelings, but instead, in a sense, you're going to fan them in a nice way. <laughs> Let it burn out. <laughs> yeah. But you do that. And it, it's biological. If a woman comes to me as a therapist, her estrogen levels go up. Her testosterone starts going down. Her stress reaction goes down. Her brain starts to look at the world differently and everything's not such a big deal. And she's happy again. People lined up to have me be their therapist still. I mean, please, if you'll be my therapist, my old clients, I'll pay you triple four times just see me. I said, no, no, I taught you how to do it. You have to do it and find a man to do it yourself. Yeah. You have to learn how to say to a man what you need. I just have done it for 50 years. So I know more sophisticated questions to ask. And also there's a difference when you're, it's your girlfriend or wife, you don't want to be a therapist. You can't be because you're their partner. But as a therapist, this is where I learned this. If I just help me understand that better and what emotion did you feel? And mostly they don't know. Yeah. They don't know. I'm yeah. Because I'm an expert, I can say, well, probably you're feeling this. And they say, yeah. Or they say, no. And I say, okay, well, help me understand that better. And then they find it. I have no defensiveness because they're not my wife. They're not complaining about me. I only see them for 50 minutes and they're paying me. Of course, I'm a great guy. <laughs> you, you, you know, women have to understand that you don't want your man to be your therapist. You can't expect them to be. But a little safety is really, really key. And you do that by help me understand that better that puts you in the driver's seat. Instead of you're passive, you're engaged. And so your testosterone being produced, you're like doing a research paper, you know? It's like, well, help me understand that better. And ironically, I suppose I came up with all these ideas is because truly I was researching women. <laughs> I grew up in Texas with five brothers. I became a monk, was around all men till I was 29 years old. I had girlfriends as a teenager for sure. But then 
in my 20s, I was a celibate monk, and then I got in relationships. They were like from another planet. I was investigating. Well, help me understand that better. And why would you yeah. feel this? What else? What were you wanting? See, these questions I could ask because I wasn't taking things personally. For me, if ever I took things personally, which wasn't, isn't that common, because I'd found myself, and for me, it was through meditation. Hmm. But that didn't solve all my problems. Meditation yeah. is a place you go to to recover and rebuild and then reflect on what was upsetting you. And you mm -hmm. were talking a, a minute ago, something really good. You were saying how you sort of analyze the situation, which is, you know, they're probably having a bad day or I know they don't mean to say that to me or they don't wanna be too critical of me. That's a good beginning process. Another one is consider later in your mind. See, it's always what you do later that makes it better in the future, okay? so. Later, when you, if something triggered you or upset you, take some time to analyze. Anal analyzing, detached and analyzing, is testosterone producing, first of all. Hmm. But it has to be productive analysis. So what you want to do is whenever you feel that tendency of blame, and that's the monkey brain. Whenever we're blaming, we're in our monkey brain. So when we're blaming, listen to it. Okay, what did she do wrong? What else did she do wrong? Really let yourself be that judgmental person that you are at that moment. <laughs> what else did she do to wrong? And then you ask yourself, and what should she have done? Mm. See, most people don't think that. They just go, what they did wrong. What, well, what should, what should she have said? How should she have reacted? And then if she had reacted that way, how would I have felt? Well, then I would have felt very loved and appreciated. I felt more comfortable. If, and what else? I feel like I want to be really nice to her and so forth. Now you're feeling those things. See, you, you want to use your mind here. Yeah, first, just through the imaginative first, process. Imaginative, everything is imagination. See, this is, we imagine things to be worse than they are now. So look at, analyze, what did she do? What you think is wrong? And maybe it's not the best behavior. And then what could she have done? So you analyze that. And then you analyze, and if she had done that, how would it make me feel? And now you're feeling a little, imagine, well, how would I felt? You're feeling a little, your stress will go down as you imagine that. Then what happens is then you say, now, how could, what did I do wrong? How could I have made that situation differently? So what did I do wrong? And what could I do in the future so that doesn't happen? And then imagine myself doing that. And that's what athletes do. You know, they train in their minds. They go over things again and again. They have coaches that point out, well, you did this, you need to do that. You, they do visualizations. Okay, I'm put myself in that situation. Imagine myself throwing this pass and doing this and running this way. It all starts in the mind. There's so much research showing the power of using your imagination to change your state to come into high performance state. And the same thing in relationships. We need to use our imagination as I just pointed out, it's a simple process. It's a fun process. Yeah. And what's interesting is it always is a challenge when she does something wrong for, and you explore it to go right into, well, what did I do wrong? I even, I have a hard time with that. So just go into what she did wrong. And then the key, key thing is what could she have done and what else mm -hmm. could she have done? And sometimes you can see how hard it is for you to, to be with you. I, I'll give you an example. <laughs> I used to become really annoyed and irritated. Uh, I'd be driving the car and Bonnie would say, you know, slow down, you know, you know, you could get a ticket or you shouldn't drive so fast or why did you take that turn? You know, slow, you know, there'd be these comments and telling me how to drive. Okay, and you should go here, you shouldn't go there and take this exit and why are you going this way? So all this conversation 
telling me what to do while I'm driving. Women don't understand, and men don't understand women. Okay, so but let's start with women Facts. not understand men. I'm driving the car. Who's driving? If I do what you say, I'm out of control. So I got to like be in control here. I get hyper-focused. I'm driving. And so it's not as easy to shift gears and say, oh, I'll do what you say, because then I have to do more thinking. Well, is what you say better than what I say? And I'm actually a better driver than you. And that is reality. She would tell you, John's a great driver. It's just he drives too fast when she's not in a hurry. But if she's in a hurry, she says, John will get us there right away. And she wants <laughs> me to drive fast. So, you know, there's all these complexities of relationship. But she said to me, she said, John, if I'm not feeling comfortable, because I'm not driving the car. And that's what we have to realize. You know, she's sitting over next to me, if this is the case. She doesn't have brakes. She doesn't have steering. She doesn't have my perspective. And she also doesn't have my experience of driving cars. She has a different driving pattern. She likes to drive in the middle lane. I always go in the front lane. And until I married her, I never experienced anybody passing me. <laughs> I'm <laughs> passing everybody all the time. But it, it's shocking, you know. I had more empathy for her because when I drive in the middle lane, guys would go by. It's shocking to have somebody shoot by you. So anyway, I realized that if I want a good relationship, just from a selfish point of view, how you drive a woman around is one of the best foreplay there is. Because for <laughs> women's estrogen to go up to enjoy sex, it has to go really high for them to want to have sex and, and to really enjoy it. Uh, oxytocin is the precursor. And oxytocin is produced when women, for many reasons, but one is primarily when women feel safe. So when a woman feels safe and you're protecting her, her oxytocin goes up, her stress goes down, her estrogen levels can rise. And it's one of the, it's basically the foundation of women being happy is estrogen. We know this, if a woman's estrogen is low, her cortisol levels are high. If her cortisol levels are healthy, her estrogen is high. It's just simple plumbing here, folks. It doesn't have to get so complicated. So. Of course, I know this. And so I say, so she says to me, John, uh, you know, I need to feel safe. And I have a different uh, perspective on driving than you. And I said, yes. And she said, and I know you're a good driver. It's just the way you drive is not my comfort zone. I said, yes. Mm. And she said, and I know it annoys and irritates you when I give you driving instructions. So what can I say to let you know that I'm not feeling safe? I'm not saying you're a bad driver. I'm just saying that I don't feel safe because I have a different yeah. comfort zone. So I said, okay, that was really a nice approach of her. And so I thought to myself, all right, what could she say? And I couldn't come up with an answer. Because right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want anybody telling me what to do when I'm in the car driving. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. having I, I pondered and pondered. And then I finally came up with the answer. And because men are complicated. Women are certainly complicated from uh, their point of view. Men are complicated from our point of view. They're so complicated. So I understood how difficult it is for her sometimes with me. So it took me a while to figure out what she could say, because she has a need. How could she let me know that need? And I, because I want to help provide for her needs. So I said, ah, I came up with the answer. In the car, when I'm driving, don't say anything to correct me. But if you feel uncomfortable, just put your hand up and grab the handle. And it was mm. a BMW at the time, a little handle up there. And she pulled on the handle and I see it and I go, oh, honey, I'll slow down. I'd be very happy to. And then yeah. I'd slow down and get in the middle lane. I put my hand on her thigh, which is a bit more intimate. I put my, but not fully sexual, but a little more intimate, put my hand on her thigh. And I said, and I did that for you. And she says, I know you did. And I really appreciate <laughs> it. So that yeah. became not only a little bit more foreplay for feeling our romantic, intimate connection. 
because why should I change? I don't need to change for me. I drive great. She's not telling me I shouldn't drive that way. She's saying she has a different comfort zone. I'm happy to accommodate her needs. It makes me happy to do so. So I'm glad to do it for her. And she's glad that I did it rather than taking me for granted. Like many women would say, well, you should slow down because you drive too fast. Yeah. See, both people are getting their needs met because in order to, here's another point, to experience increasing testosterone in men, which they need to regulate stress more than women, to be appreciated for your sacrifices, to be appreciated for what you do, to be appreciated for what you provide are all major testosterone producers. Now for women, the major estrogen producers is demonstrating caring, consideration, providing, understanding, and respect her needs. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got it backwards when you read these other male female books, not that they don't have really good information, but they always seem to come back to the conclusion that women, if you want a man to love you, respect him. No, that's called being a doormat. Yeah. He needs to learn to respect you. Okay. This is respect and appreciation are very similar in the dictionary. They have the same meaning. Look under respect. It will say to appreciate someone look under the meaning of appreciation. It means to respect. So we have no discernment between these two words. A lot of people with Christian background, I do. The Bible says, respect the man. No, the Bible is, it's the who translated that was a man who, who wants you to respect him because whiny, needy men, whenever they're demanding, they always said, you should respect me. You respect the man and don't respect yourself. You're a doormat. You need to respect yourself. And men, if you want to produce estrogen in women, you show them greater consideration. That's why you open the door for them on a romantic date. It's out of respect. And so you, you know, if you're taking out a girl and you open the door for her and she says, well, I can do that myself. She's away on her male side. She takes offense at it. That's how, what happened. So what you do as a man, you say, oh, of course you can do it yourself. I wasn't implying that. But you do so much for so many people and for me. So tonight on this date, I just want to do everything for you. Is that okay? And then she'll go, oh, okay. I'm not a weak person for receiving. And it gives her permission to start connecting once again with her female side. Because simply put, in this book we talked about, I talk about the major characteristics of when we express them, testosterone is produced. When we express the other characteristics, estrogen is produced. So we can safely call them masculine and feminine traits. Having said that, foundation in biology. One of the understanding those traits helps us to realize that when you're giving, you're actually doing your masculine energy. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks give, women are givers. Unhappy women give too much. Interesting. Okay. There's always this. It's all these are like mind blowing concepts. Like anger is being on your female side. It's the opposite of masculinity for men. And yeah. for women, giving is going too far to your male side receiving is femininity symptoms of receiving is appreciation acceptance non-rejecting trust asking for help appreciating help being grateful these are all qualities of your female side it's also doing what you enjoy to do when you do something when you eat a delicious meal what are you doing you're you're nurturing yourself you're receiving you're spending time doing things you love to do that's receiving When you're spending time doing things you don't love to do, that you have to do, that's your male side. That's why Mm -hmm. men have to be careful. Don't enjoy life too much until you're doing what it takes to raise your testosterone. You got to be tough. Toughness. 
You know, men are so soft today. Practice, fortunately for me as a young guy, I took karate, you know, I was <laughs> pounding my fist against hard things, you know, then yeah, I became me too. a monk. Pure- Good for you. Good for you. You know, there has to be a certain toughness. And now, oh, you should, little boys, you always have to embrace their softness and they shouldn't have to do what they don't want to do. They should be competition is masculinity. It's just, we want to convert it into a higher competition, which is you're always competing with yourself to become better. Mm-hmm. Not that you deserve punishment, but you always want to be better, to choose to be better. But competition for a younger guy, it's a great thing. You've got a team. So your team wants to win. You want to beat the other guys, but you're on a team. So you want to support each other. So you're learning how to cooperate while you're competing. There's There's a partnership that goes on. Yeah, that's your male and female side. So all these qualities, we're shaming masculinity. There's a big mistake for that. We shame sexuality. And certainly sex can be misused without a doubt. All this porn, as I mentioned, is just destroying masculinity. It really is. It lowering your testosterone so, so far creating addiction to it, addiction to masturbation and so forth. If you mm-hmm. don't have that testosterone, your estrogen levels start going high, comfortable, mm-hmm. easy, do what you like to do. That's okay in moderation. But if it goes too high, you start feeling negative. You start having insecurities. You start having doubts. You lose motivation. You procrastinate. You can't follow through. You know, the, these, are the, these are the weaknesses that it's like a guaranteed affliction on men if you go too far to your female side. So we want to find that balance and be more conscious of that, conscious relationships, which means mm-hmm. don't have too much sex, don't spend too much time together. And women don't get all needy. If you're needy, that means you're feeling unneedy with him. You need to take time to be with your friends, have a life separate from him. So you're not depending on him for everything. And men, you're not depending on her for everything. You've got a life. So mm-hmm. we got to, that's your twenties. Your twenties is a time. Certainly you can be in relationships, enjoy relationships. I suggest don't even think about this is a look for the perfect person to marry. If you look for a house to buy and you come to my house as a guest, you'll think it's wonderful. But if you want to buy it, you'll hire people to see what's wrong with it. That's what the brain does. When you think about, is this the person I want to have a long-term marriage relationship with? And for everybody in their twenties, I'd recommend reading my book called uh, Mars Venus on a date. It talks about five stages of dating can be very helpful to overcome common pitfalls in the dating process. Also, the basics of men are from Mars are still apply, but quite often people are in role reversal and women feel like, gee, I feel like I'm from Mars. When men feel like they're, they're actually, men don't say I'm from Venus, but men will, their girlfriends will say, I think he's from Venus. Yeah, he's a little <laughs> effeminate. <laughs> It's too feminine. You know, we don't want to admit to it, you know? So if I just want men to know you're effeminate. If you get angry, you're effeminate. If you're needy, if you're effeminate, if you want to talk to her more than she wants to talk to you, that's all. These are like, yeah. And also if you're ejaculating all the time, you're way on your female side. If yeah. you're drinking too much alcohol, anytime you're dependent on somebody to make you happy, you're on your female side. If you're dependent on someone to make you happier, cause you're already feeling good then you're on your male and female side. And that's what we want to keep working on in our 20s, particularly about knowing ourself. And the, one of the best ways you know yourself is one is you test yourself. What are you good at? What are you not good at? Mm-hmm. In relationships, you, know, you look to somebody to make you feel happier. When they don't make you feel happier, take your cave time, process your emotions and come back to being a good loving person. And maybe you break up, who knows? You don't have to stay with somebody at this time. This is a time of exploration, generate experiences. This is your time to experience life. 
Because when you get to 28, you want to have that a greater sense of self-awareness. So when you give yourself in a deeply intimate relationship, you're not going to take everything so personally and be so needy and demanding. Yeah, I think it's so super important to like step back. Actually, a while back, one of the things that I thought of while we were talking, while you're talking about that, was uh, my girlfriend said to me recently. We were having a discussion, and we had we had dated for about seven months, and part of that was like long distance. So there wasn't a lot of physical intimacy, but it was a lot of like. Uh, communication, which was really healthy and really, really good and helped me learn a lot about yeah, this kind of dynamic. Yeah, it's really good to date online. Yeah. yeah, it was great to learn this dynamic. But one of the things uh, we, we started dating again recently, and uh, one of the things she said to me was, you know, I, I like that when we, because we were communicating while we were broken up and as friends and like, we're, we're, we always had a good friendship. It wasn't like that was destroyed or anything like that. We just took time apart from the relationship. And she said, you know, I really like kind of miss that side of the relationship where it was like almost like like you're be- like we have a better relationship when it's like friends in the sense of I was detached emotionally from her. I wasn't worried about what I said. I wasn't worried how you know how she would take it. I just was being my confident masculine self. Like if we, you know, we're playing like you know one of the things we like to do is play uh, the crossword together. And I'm a pretty jokey guy, so I'd make you know kind of crude jokes sometimes or you know be silly. And I didn't care what she would think. And you know that was really great. But now you know, I, and I'm aware of this now I, after having a. Um, my previous relationship that I tend to self-censor, like people pleasing, like we were talking about earlier and kind of getting away and being aware of that. Like don't self-censor myself. I just be my authentic, genuine self, be in my, and, and take that cave time to like be in my masculine side. And then when I approach her, then it's just, it's so smooth and it's just so, so great. That's one of the yeah. best things I've learned from you, from your, from your work is just like really coming and doing things that build up that masculine strength. I live with four guys in an apartment and there's a lot of wrestling that goes on. And it's <laughs> probably one of the best things for testosterone, I think, because, you know, we, yes, we kind is. of have this sparring that goes on. And then, we're, you know, afterwards we feel fine. Like, even if we were angry before and we have like a, you know, a, a wrestling match where it's, you know, three against two or whatever, after we friendly. feel great. You're angry, but it's friendly. You see, you're not yeah. actually taking out aggression, but you are expressing some. <laughs> and it's also why, you know, I remember being in a fight as a, as a teenager and we became best friends afterwards. And why it was is we called off the fight after it started to hurt. <laughs> so we, were, we kind of expressed our dislike through physical action, but then we made peace. And this is what we have to learn is not to use real aggression to hurt people, but to express yeah. it. And football does it. Games do it. Competitive rugby. games do it. Yeah, all that. Well, I don't know about rugby, but yeah, I guess so. <laughs> That's, That's one of the big ones me. here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good. Uh, I actually, I never learned to play, but I do know any competitive sport is really good for your testosterone levels is, and particularly if you can have a conversation afterwards and be friendly, it's that friendly competition means you're in your higher self while you're letting the monkey competitive self express itself. Cause it's that lower part of us. It's evolved over millions of years. And most people may not know that, but that most of the DNA in our brain, 98% of it is monkey DNA and snake DNA, dinosaur DNA. Mm-hmm. And just this prefrontal cortex is the only human DNA we have. Yeah. And that's why yeah. we're so reactive when we're hormones are out of balance. And what, you're, what you've experienced is that cool, relaxed, easygoing, yeah. but it's yeah. positive. So you see, that's why it works. And then when couples get married, they get too deep. They start having a lot of sex. They mm-hmm. are, they become interdependent because you have a family, you're interdependent. That pushes you more to your female side as a man. We know already hormone on um, big scale statistics. Here's something of interest. 
Uh, single men have the highest testosterone. Men in committed relationships on average have a, stop, a step lower testosterone. Men who are uh, married, it drops even more. And men who have children, it drops even more. Now that doesn't have to be the case. If you have relationship skills that I'm talking about, they stay up all the time. My, at 70, my, my testosterone is 50% is, uh, higher than when I was a young man. And so it doesn't go down for everybody. If you maintain the cave time, your distance, mm -hmm. your own mm -hmm. sense of self. And so you're not like overly needy or dependent on somebody else, their approval, their acceptance, their appreciation to make you happy. So how do you know that your testosterone is going down? You become annoyed and irritated or bothered or hurt by something someone does. Mm -hmm. So you just look at that and go, ah, oh, good signal. I need to take more time for myself and stop being so needy and come mm -hmm. back to doing things that make you feel happy, that make you feel good, that you're good at and that you're getting better at. For me, and I highly recommend it to every man, is something that's age old, thousands and thousands of years old, is learning some form of meditation that you're drawn to as a discipline, even if it's do 15 minutes twice a day, even if it's boring, you do it because you have to do it. Yeah, the or prayer. Show, prayer kind of does the same thing. Prayer is amazing. That's the meditation I do. It's the higher meditation is you do some form of prayer, but you do it for 15 minutes. You can put on music even, but just have yeah. your eyes closed, centered. and you're, But at the same time, if you're doing this processing technique that I'm talking about, that's also like a meditation. You're quietly mm -hmm. analyzing what you're feeling. You can do that inside as well. So many different ways to have your cave time be very productive. But keep in mind, cave time does nothing if you don't also go out there and be of service. Selfless service is men's strength. You want your yeah. strength to do things for others without sacrificing your integrity. Okay, there's a place of integrity. You do what's good for you, do what's good for others, but it's also what you choose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I couldn't have said so, that better, yeah. <laughs> have to do something is different from I choose to do it. I have mm -hmm. to do it to produce this result. Therefore, now I choose to do it. And I'll tell you a little fun story of how I learned this, which is very hard for women to get about men. This is a male power that women don't easily have. We had a little, a little a dog in the beginning of our marriage, Bonnie wanted a dog. And so she picked out a dog and then we had to bring the dog to get these shots, to get the license three times. So the first two times she brought the dog because basically it's what she wanted and she was happy to do it. But each time she came home from bringing the dog, she was really, oh, it was terrible. The dog's so possessive, our barking, they put her in a different room. There was so much traffic. It's so far away to go to. I don't know why we don't have a vet sooner, closer to us. I have to go through the traffic. You know, she had a whole big story. And I'm yeah. like, okay, I understand. And I feel like grateful I don't have to do it. You know, she's happy to do it. So the third time for the last trip, she says, so John, we have to, she goes, we, we have to bring the dog to the vet again. Uh, would you like to do it this time? And I went, no, I, I, I really don't want to do that. And she, she, how could you not want to do it? I said, you, you asked me what I like to do it. And no, I, I don't like to do it. And, and do I want to do it? No. But if you ask me and it will make you happy, then I'm happy to do it. And she goes, that's crazy. That's crazy. Now you don't want to do it. And so you're going to resent me later. I said, no, <laughs> if it's something that will make you happy, then I'm happy to do it. She did, that didn't make any sense to her at all. Because for women, if they do something they don't want to do, they resent you forever. Yeah. But for me, 
as a man, if I have to do something to make her happy, and I saw, okay, if it will make you happy, I will do it and I'll be happy to do it. How can you be happy to do it if you don't want to do it? Because I more than what I care about driving in traffic or whatever, I want to make you happy. But I just mm -hmm. want to be sure that I'm getting credit for this. You see, if it, one if point. it will make you happy. <laughs> exactly. One point. If, if it will make you happy, then I'm happy to do it because I love you. And that's my truth. Because for a man, if I have to do something and it will produce a result that I want to produce, then suddenly I want to do that very thing that I have to do that mm -hmm. I don't want to do. But the result makes me want to do it. And therefore, I can choose to do it. So coming from that place of choice is always from your higher center. But mm -hmm. if you have negative emotions, you're never in that place. And so if women could understand this, then they would be more open to asking for help, realizing that even yeah. if a man doesn't want to do it, if you give him clear signals that it will make you happy and he's getting messages all the time that doing things for you makes him happy, that keeps his testosterone up. And if men do things for women, scoring points, which is hugs, affection, compliments, planning dates, doing little things actually produces lots of estrogen. So then it rises up. And you know, one of the classic Mars Venus ideas is you can bring a woman 50 roses. She's going to go, oh, how sweet, how wonderful. And bring her one rose, you get the same response. And that's if a woman has, and this is now biology. If mm -hmm. a woman has uh, around normal estrogen levels, healthy estrogen levels, you bring 50 roses, she's going to go, oh, how nice. It's going to feel loving. If you bring one rose, same response. Oh, how nice. They're beautiful. Or what a beautiful rose, whatever it is. If her estrogen is a little bit higher, you do the very same thing and it becomes romantic. Simply bringing out the trash becomes romantic when a woman's estrogen levels are at a normal level and a little higher. Now, when her estrogen levels are all the way down to like nothing, you can bring 50 roses, you get nothing. Mm. Or you bring one rose, you get nothing. So really women, your response is all about you. And when you can keep your estrogen levels up, men will see that, oh, I don't have to do a lot of stuff to make her happy. Guess what that does for a man? It makes him have more energy to do more stuff for you. Yeah. It's like we just understand there's so many of these misunderstandings between the sexes. And it's a big research project. You know, they really have a successful relationship. You need at least a master's degree in relationships today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You definitely. Want have, you want to have a lifetime of ecstatic sex and be, you know, in your 70s having the best sex of your life. You need a PhD. It takes a while to get to that place, but it's yeah. possible. Yeah, let's talk a, bit, a little bit about, um, before we wrap up here, The for women who, listen, I know some uh, some girls who enjoy listening to this podcast, um, you kind of were mentioning there about the estrogen. How can women then raise their estrogen if they're, what's the signals for them if their estrogen's low? And then how can they, how can they raise it up? So like, because they're probably getting upset that like, they want to like their, you know, if they're dating, they want to like feel happy around, but they just feel frustrated because they, they don't feel like they're being fulfilled. And maybe that it's all confusing to them. What, what, what are some ways that women can raise their testosterone, their estrogen, excuse me, and, you know, work on that yeah, side? Yeah, yeah, you know, it's a, first of all, I'd like to apologize for a moment. Somehow I thought mainly guys were listening. So I did, I skewed this more towards you and mostly, guys. mostly guys, uh, mostly guys. Yeah. That, that's okay. That's okay. So I, I just want to acknowledge that sometimes when I talk and a woman's interviewing me, I assume more women are listening and quite often that's the case. So I skew this more towards women. So I'll take a moment for, for that, at least in this consideration. Yeah. And first of all, know that I'm going to answer the question, but a lot more of the answer comes from this book, Beyond Mars and Venus, because what it addresses is the new challenges for women. 
basically, as women have moved to the male side, they're not on their female side. You need to look for what are the signals that you need to do these things that I'm going to talk about to raise your estrogen. One, feeling overwhelmed. Whenever you feel there's not enough time, you're too far on your male side, your female side feels there's always plenty of time. You know, it's interesting. People are always saying, you know, you should live as though you need to, you're going to die tomorrow. I have a totally different philosophy because I have a balance of my male and female side, I guess, because I live as though I have forever. <laughs> I don't have to, I don't have to do anything, but because I'm on my male side, I know to make a result, I'm, I have service. I have to serve and be there. And that's what I have to do, but I have forever. And so there's this peace and relaxation of my female side as I've integrated both of them. Now the, the, Female, when you're feeling not enough, you're always on your male side, literally not enough time, not enough affection, not enough love, not enough support, not enough resources to help you. Anytime you're critical, not enough, not, and of course, not enough food. <laughs> when you feel not enough food, that's that not enough. That's why women, those who overeat is they're always feeling not enough. That's your male side. And to compensate, the brain wants to go from the male side to the female side, and you'll naturally do that. So what do you do? One of the ways you go to your female side is to eat more. Okay, that's one thing. Another thing you do to the female side is to become way upset about stuff. Because see, whenever you feel negative emotion or positive emotion, if it's emotion, it's going to be estrogen. So, but you see, if you go and you, you, you get into the habit of, feeling negativity and expressing negativity, which would be compulsive complaining, putting it into words, what happens is yes, your estrogen levels will go up and your, who you're complaining to, if it's a man, his testosterone will go down because you're making him a failure. You're pointing out what's wrong with him. It's better what's right with him. You're not experiencing love at that moment. You're actually, your love is dwindling if he cannot hear what you're saying. And most men will be defensive because it's negative. So if you're complaining about him, his testosterone goes down, but you're gonna be stuck over there depending upon complaining to raise your estrogen. So it's just like men depending on porn to depend on porn to raise their testosterone and then it goes down lower. Well, every time you complain, your estrogen goes up and then it goes way back down because nobody will give you what you want when you complain. <laughs> you get the more you complain in life, the more what you're doing. See, complaining is you're looking at what's wrong. Okay, this is this has to change. I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. Not enough. I have to fix it. I have to solve it. Everything's a problem. You have to fix and solve. So you, you, there's no sense of I have enough and you're, because your estrogen is low and you're out there on your male side. So now if you focus on talking about what's missing in your life, talking about problems, it will bring up estrogen, but it destroys relationships. So what you do is you, for example, women hire a therapist or a coach and you complain to me, and then you feel good afterwards. But if I don't do the, if I do traditional therapy, you might actually have nothing change in your life. Because if you complain and you feel connection through that, so you feel better, now you use negativity to have to feel better. Your brain's always going to go to look for things to complain about in order to feel better. Now, what I teach is don't complain to your partner. If you complain to your partner to get more, then you're creating literally grand canyons of neural connectors in your brain, pathways 
They go, if I want more, I have to look at what's wrong and I have to complain about it. It's an addiction. Complaining is an addiction. You know, women, you have these automatic negative thoughts. What's he thinking? What's he doing? What's this? Why didn't he do that? It's all this questioning and doubting that goes on in your brain. And then when you complain about what you're missing, or you say, I want to talk about the relationship, you need all this reassurance. What's happening is you're reaffirming that you, you're using negativity to get his attention, to try to get his support, and it doesn't work, but the brain keeps doing it because you did it thinking it was gonna work. Did it ever work? No, it doesn't work. How to change the path. Here's how you change it. Just like I talked about men going to their cave to analyze their feelings and let them go, you can go to a girlfriend and you can complain to her about what you're missing in life and in your relationship. And her job is just to listen. And then you're going to have to listen to her because she's going to complain back and you're going to both feel better. And you're going to have basically estrogen will get produced, but because you're not using your complaints to get what you want, you're not growing these neural connectors that cause you to compulsively and addictively complain. Then you go to an advanced stage of estrogen production, which is the same thing I told men, which is when you're upset, you write your partner a letter about what you feel. And usually what you feel will be a bunch of thoughts. Mm -hmm. I feel like you don't like me. I feel like you don't love me. I feel like I can't get this relationship. I'm not sure you're the one for me. That, those are all your doubts. Then you ask yourself, and that's a waste of time by the way, but you need to, that's the doorway yeah. to get in touch with what your emotions are. So now you ask yourself, well, if I feel he doesn't care about me or he did this, or I don't have that, or this is missing, or I can't do this and nobody appreciates me. Okay, when you're feeling these things, then ask yourself, what is my emotion? So start to feel your emotion. That's real vulnerability. Emotions are your pure feminine side, positive or negative. So if you're not happy, then look at your negative emotions, but don't use them to change him, use them to change yourself. That's how you free yourself from negativity is you never use it to change the outer world. You use it to change yourself and you process your feelings. That's I got a book right here called What You Feel You Can Heal. That's mm -hmm. a good one for processing your feelings. And here is a good one for learning to process your feelings with a therapist or with a coach or with a girlfriend. Beyond Mars and uh, Venus. Yeah, Beyond Mars and Venus, very powerful book. And that's the one for the modern people because women need to find powerful skills to come back to their estrogen side. Now, the big theme, I give 12 qualities of estrogen producing activities. One of them, the primary one is depending on something outside yourself to make you happy. Like a doctor's visit, for example, is a big estrogen producer. So way more women visit doctors than men. Therapy, going to therapists, not that I say everybody needs to do a therapist, but going to therapists is a big business in America. 90% of the people who go to therapists are women. Why? <laughs> because just asking someone for help that you trust can help you will raise your estrogen. But this can also be going to a yoga class and depending upon the teacher to guide you. Hmm. And being with a bunch of women in harmony will produce estrogen. Uh, also, if you do meditation, you know, just as being meditation alone, be meditating in a group, very powerful. Also, when you meditate, do guided meditation, maybe a recording where somebody's playing beautiful music and they're guiding you. Now close your eyes, take a deep breath, notice your body parts, now do this, now do this. These are guided meditations, which are very powerful to produce estrogen. 
meditating on your own in silence, maybe with a mantra or communication uh, con concentration tool, that's very masculine. But now that we're men are more feminine, they can also benefit from the guided meditation alone. <laughs> and then you can also benefit by being in a group too, no doubt about it. But these are like, you need to balance putting in your life places where you need help, you can't do it yourself and get a better benefit. Now, having said that, you can also feel like, okay, I'm woman, but I'm superwoman. I'm strong woman. I'm powerful woman. I don't need anybody. Okay, you're way on your male side. You don't need anybody, but you do need you do need help to come back to your female side because you're out of balance if you're not fulfilled and happy and at ease and peace and having multi-orgasms, okay? I had one woman, I'm, I'm not like the women you talk about. I can do this and I can do that. And I don't I object to gender at all because I'm happy and fulfilled, but alone and can't have <laughs> orgasms, except she has a vibrator, which by the way, using your vibrator is using your male energy. You're actually, <laughs> this is the equivalent of men using porn as well, but using a vibrator to get off is literally stimulating testosterone. And that's been proven in research back in the day in the previous generations until this modern era where women are free to go to their male side, when women were just depressed or had hysteria, they were hysterical. They couldn't make decisions if they were upper-class women. This is recorded in history because they were kept women. They didn't work hard. They had people do things for them. The royal class had servants. And then you became anxious and depressed. This is what happens when you don't do things for yourself. So you weren't making any testosterone. You had too much estrogen. So too much estrogen created hysteria in women. And that was actually a medical thing up, in, at 19, up, up to 1950. It was a diagnosis, hysterical. Okay, women who are hysterical. And from 1900 to 1950, the remedy which temporarily worked when women were hysterical was going twice a week to your doctor's office to be paddled on your clitoris. That was the first vibrator machine, which stimulated testosterone. So you started to balance your hormones. That's why women felt so good at World War II because they're out there and working hard like the women in the fields, you know, they're out there doing it. They were ecstatic, they're doing their part. They're making a difference. You know, the big picture of women with their big muscles, mm -hmm. we can do it too. And then in the 60s, they became, you know, we can be men. Yeah, it felt really good to go from your female side to your male side, but now you're stuck over there just like men are stuck with porn. You mm -hmm. gotta learn how to come back to being, not as a man, you have to come back to learning how to generate your happiness through selflessness and service and working and learning and skills and et cetera. Women have to come back to learning how to open up and depend on others to make her happy. Do things she loves to do, sing, have someone teach you how to sing. Uh, gardening, going for walks in nature. When you're jogging intently, you're on your male side. If you're doing exercise that you enjoy doing, you're on your female side. So mm. those are some examples. Shopping is simply grazing, looking at what can I have, what can I have, what I like, what I don't <laughs> like. The freedom to explore what you like and what you don't like is the opposite of I have to do this. I have to buy this. I have to accomplish this. I have to achieve this. Mm -hmm. Whenever you're producing, I, whenever you're saying to yourself, I have to do this and you've set up your life. So you do have to do everything. Yeah. That's you setting up your life. So you have to do things. I see all these women. I'm a single woman. I've got children. I have to go to work. I don't have any money. I say, you set your life up that way. You need to take responsibility for setting your life up for creating a life where you have to do all these things as opposed to having your female side 
the wisdom of your female side, which creates a life where you don't have to do everything. And you can start today by recognizing it and beginning to balance your own male and female sides. Because even if you got all this have to do, that's gonna cause you to go to your negative emotions. Now you can process your negative emotions, come back to feeling love, then wisdom comes. And the wisdom teaches you how to find balance. Because right now you don't know. If you knew, you'd have it. So those are some helpful things for women to understand. It's horrible, the world today for women. It's horrible. Mm -hmm. And it's horrible for men. We are so confused. We are so gender confused. We are so out of balance. We are so shamed as men for being masculine. Women are so shamed by their peers for being too feminine. My neighbor is a doctor. Her husband is a doctor. It takes a lot to get become a doctor. She had all her doctor girlfriends. And then she got married. She got a married doctor and they had a baby. And for about 15 years, she stopped being a doctor and she raised her daughter. Then she went back to being a doctor. And during those 15 years, all of her friends disowned her, her girlfriends. They felt betrayed by her. How could you do this? How could you stay at home and be a stay at home mother? How could you take care of your child? <laughs> she said, because it feels right to me. Yeah. And she's a happy woman because she did that. But she was a happy woman before that. So she could feel her mothering instincts that wanted to take care of that child and didn't want to sacrifice that time when she could be with her child. So I know a lot of women have given that up. A lot of women by necessity. Why? Because you're not on your female side. So you can't sustain a relationship with a man. Men are not on their male side, so they can't sustain a relationship with women. The good news about my message is if you learn this stuff, women, you can attract a man on his male side. And if he's on his female side, you can bring forth his male side. Mm -hmm. And, the and vice versa. Men, and vice versa. But I will say women have more power than men. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They definitely have a lot of power. They do. It, 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 in relationship, women's power can bring out the best in men. Men's, men's compassion can bring out the best in women, but unless women take responsibility for learning new things, then the man is powerless. So you, you, you can help her get along to feel happier, but she has to find a source of wisdom that will guide her in the right direction because the culture is misleading women. Mm -hmm. And if, if you could come, if I could, I just have all, all happens all the time. And when I teach my seminars, sometimes couples say, we've got young children who should come, the husband or the wife. I say, husband should stay home, wife should come. Because mm. when the women gain this wisdom, then they have the power not only to make themselves happy, but to bring out the best in a man, even if he never read my book. But women need the education. They really have to have force to counteract the conditioning of our society. And this is an ancient Tibetan idea as well, that masculinity, strength is compassion. Masculinity is compassion for others. And femininity is wisdom the wisdom of how to give, how to receive. And mm -hmm. when I mentioned that masculinity was giving for a result, you only give your energy if you're gonna get a result. It has to be of service and there has to be acknowledgement of service. That gives you the energy. But for women, when they give for the result, they become unhappy. Women need to give as a result of receiving. Give without expectation at all. Otherwise, your job is to learn how to receive, how to ask for help, how to give the love and response to those who provide support to you. So every woman who's unhappy who comes to me over 50 years, 
I can boil it down. She'll say, I do, I give and I give and I give and I don't get back. So did giving work for her? No, that's your male side to create a result. You're giving mm -hmm. to get rather than giving because someone has given to you. That's called overflowing. That's called mm -hmm. responding because you receive what you need. So you have to learn how to communicate your needs, how to first be aware of what you need, then communicate those needs in a way where someone will respond and also give yourself what you need. And that's what we're looking at here is what are the needs you have to produce estrogen for men to produce testosterone? Because you have the power as women and mothers had this power. That's why you give birth to babies. You have the power to bring out the best in your children. And then the father comes along. He has a role as well. I write about that in my book, Boy Crisis. Mm. And I think every man could benefit by reading that book as well to understand the crisis that all males are going through from our childhood. Because if you grew up without happy parents, there will be consequences. Mm -hmm. You need to have a role model. And if you have a single mother, she cannot give you what a father can give you. It needs to be male, female to make a baby. It needs male, female to guide boys and girls to grow up, to be happy and fulfilled. Yeah. And if you don't so have that, you have to take responsibility as well to like grow in those areas that you lacked. Yeah, that's the point. We're all wounded. We're all wounded. And it's not a tragedy. This is happening. <laughs> this is like the greatest thing in history. Yeah. All this confusion and all, because we have a higher consciousness now that can now create new solutions, a new culture that supports men and being male and also acknowledging their female side and women being very feminine, but also having the power of their masculine. That's our potential to go to, but right yeah. now we're lost. Yeah. This is the answer to help guide us to develop and create that world. Uh, well, I think that might be a great place to end it, John. I really enjoyed talking to you today. And uh, yeah, for those, uh, what we kept dancing around is uh, John's new book, Beyond Mars and Venus, Relationship Skills for Today's Complex World. I bought myself a copy and I would highly recommend uh, getting yourself one as well as many of your other books that are, <laughs> that are out there over the course of your career. Um, but yeah, where can people go to learn a little bit more about your, uh, your content and, and your work? Yeah, check out marsvenus.com. Very powerful, lots of free. Right on the front page, we get rave reviews for our free, co free course for men and women, for couples and for non-couples. It's right there, four different courses, free. So it's called How to Get Everything You Want in Your Relationship. It's a step what, it's a, it's a step, step beyond today. And then we always have blogs on our mailing list. We have an insiders club where I send you a, a workshop every day. <laughs> so you can really grow a lot. Uh, Check me out. You can check me out at Facebook uh, every Thursday at Pacific time, 10 o'clock. I do uh, three hours on Facebook uh, at John Gray, Mars, Venus or Mars. Is that AM or PM? AM in the morning. Okay. I do uh, that one, 10 o'clock in the morning, Pacific time. You're in Dallas. So that's 12 o'clock. Yep. Uh, as a Texas guy, uh, <laughs> moved to California, but my mother was originally from California. I'll tell yeah. you something funny about yeah. Texas. You know, when I grew up in Houston, everybody had an L.A. accent in Houston because really? we all watched really? TV and L.A. was TV was from L.A. And also, I think maybe a little bit more for me because my mother was from L.A. But have, however, when the movie Dallas came out, then having this Texas accent became fashionable. And so now <laughs> all my friends in Texas, my brother, he, people say, how can you be brothers? Because he's got this huge Texas accent and everything simply because. And it all started by watching Dallas. So he <laughs> does have a big impact on us. And uh, I, I love Texas and it's a great place. 
And right now I even feel like I want to move back to Texas, except the weather's not as good as it is in California for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I just, well, I'll tell you why I want to go back to Texas. The governor just lifted this uh, mask mandate. I know. Yeah. Uh, no more of these. Yeah. I think, uh, we are Americans. We need to be free. Texans really understand the importance of self-reliance. We can make our own choices and we should mm. be able to do that. And we shouldn't be guilted for making our own choices. And thank goodness for, you know, I'm all for precautions. And also, I'm also uh, into ridiculousness. And I'll just say one thing. I, I know I could talk for hours on this subject, but I'll say one thing because I get a chance to say it. Go for it. Florida had the least amount of precautions for this whole outbreak. California had ridiculous things, ridiculous. And they, if you look at the population, they had approximately the same amount of serious complications or death from with this virus. Mm -hmm. So lockdown worked, lockdown didn't work, which means that <laughs> you get the same result whether you lock down or not. So come on. And also Florida has the highest risk of people dying from anything because everybody yeah, goes there to retire. <laughs> they're old and they're the highest risk group and they still didn't have the deaths. Everybody was like, how could they do this? How could the governor do this? So I'm so really glad that Texas is leading the country and waking up the world that this is a system that we've over-exaggerated a concern. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and we're too far on our female just, side. Yeah, we're too far on our female side, trying to protect about everything, protect, 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 instead of saying, you know, when there's a problem, you solve it for yourself. You learn how to find balance in life. That's actually the father role. Fathers are missing. You know, mothers, I'll say one other thing from my parenting book and from my book, uh, The Role of the Father in my book with Warren Farrell called Boy Crisis. The father, his job is not to warn you about everything. That's the female side to worry about this. Be careful about this. Don't get this. And oh, poor you, poor you. That's your female side. The overprotective mother, the overprotective parent. The father is take risks. You know, you, you do something, there's going to be consequences and you learn from that. You wrestle, you get hurt, you apologize, or you don't get to wrestle again. You learn to be more considerate by making mistakes. That's the male side, not by having everything be sanitized and perfect. You learn to toughen up. You have to have both. And I have a sweet little example is when I married Bonnie, she had two little children before. And then we had a child together. And so, you know, she felt like, you know, this, she knew more about parenting than me. So... I realized that my wife was very overwhelmed in her life. And I said, honey, you need a day off. So on Monday, because my schedule is flexible, you just take the day off and do things you love to do. Please, I will take care of the kids. I'll take care of everything. And she said, that sounds great. So Monday came along and she's ready to go off to do her thing. And she said, uh, so what are you going to do today? I said, oh, I have wonderful plans. She said, what are those plans? I said, oh, I'm not going to tell you. She said, no, I want to know. I said, oh, really, honey, I bond with the child more if I'm in charge. You see, if I'm just passive, I don't bond. So I will take care of them. It's my challenge to take care of them. She goes, yeah, but I want to know what you're going to do. I said, are you kidding? You don't trust me? <laughs> and we've been married for a year already. You know, we had a child, everything together. And she said, she says, I just want to know what you're going to do because I could be helpful. I said, okay, I'm taking the kids to Stinson Beach. And she says, oh, that's really a good idea. Did you pack jackets? I said, no. She said, that's why you need me to know. And then I'll help you. And I said, no, that's not why I need you because we would go to Stinson Beach. And if it was too cold and we needed jackets, we wouldn't have jackets. We'd have what's called a problem. 
<laughs> and I would teach the children that I'm not upset about it and we'll solve the problem and we'll make it into a better day and we'll have what's called an adventure. Mm -hmm. Life is an adventure. Instead of worrying about everything, life has problems and you solve them. That's right. You don't whine and complain about everything or protect yourself from anything and you learn how to solve it. And when it comes to this COVID thing, I just want people to know that anybody goes to the hospital has vitamin D levels below 13. Normal is 30. Nobody at 30 or above ever goes to the hospital with COVID problems. So why aren't people saying vitamin D3? Not that it's gonna cure it, but you should start taking it now, 10,000 IU units of vitamin D3. The next thing is hydrochloroquine, which has been used in a lot of countries in Japan and various places that kept it way down as a therapy people can do at home so they got better. Well, we didn't do that in America so they have to test everything out. Something has no side effects, easy to get, used to be, now not allowed to get. So that's called a therapy, ivervectin, uh, maybe, I might remember the wrong names of this. I'm not a medical doctor. It was used in Korea. Everybody says, oh, how lockdown worked in Korea and they have no problem at all. Yeah, and they told everybody at home to take iver ivermectin. So if there are therapies there. I just saw in 60 minutes, another therapy, which worked for everybody who took it in the study, which was an antidepressant, uh, flumexamine or something like that on yeah. 60 minutes. So, but do you have the, the government that's making, making money the companies that pay for all the media are making money on vaccinations, billions of dollars. You can't say any of that stuff on the media. So don't believe what they tell you on the media. It's all pharmaceuticals, natural stuff, and just simple drugs. But even the natural stuff is quercetin and vitamin C in high doses every day, along with vitamin D3 and zinc, and you'll never get sick. And I've been doing this for years, never getting sick. So this is like be healthy, take responsibility. <laughs> why are not, why are the doctors who understand health, those are called holistic doctors, mm -hmm. preventative medicine doctors. Mm -hmm. Why are they not on television every night saying, do this, do this, do this. Instead, we got this over feminized culture that says germs, wash your hands, six <laughs> feet distance, or put on mask, hide yourself. Oh, so terrible. <laughs> and now, you know what they just said, just to say, it's no longer six feet is required. It turns out three feet. Oh, three the feet's fine. Is, <laughs> there was never any real research on six feet. This came in, in 1800 when some doctor, they discovered germ theory and that was the theory. You must stay six feet away from people. This is all complete nonsense, hysteria. How they've accomplished this is beyond my mind. People are so like sheep to follow in line. Well, we had a culture that was set up for it. <laughs> Yes, we've been setting people up dependence on doctors to give you medicines rather than depending on you to be healthy and take responsibility for your own happiness and your health. And 80% of the people who have big problems with this are obese. Mm -hmm. We already know obese people are too dependent on food to be happy. They're way, way, either women on their male side who are going too far to their female side for balance, or it's men who have weak masculine side who go too far to their female side because they're addicted to it. So we need to wake up here. Our problem is not out there in germs. Our problem is ourselves, our lack of knowledge, our foolishness and our inability to create happiness for ourselves without being too dependent on others and also to create relationships where we can truly grow in love and practice these good relationship skills of forgiveness, of kindness, of friendliness, of compassion, of empathy, of selflessness and generosity. 
this is what we need to do. That's what our lives are about. And I'm really happy to be on your show, Vincent. Yeah, no, this has been <laughs> I great. I had an opportunity to talk about this female side taking over the country. We have to like find the balance here. Yeah, A little it's... bit of sanity. Okay. <laughs> It's one of the things that's been bothering me about this whole pandemic. One of the things I did, I, I, uh, I'm a, originally from Boston. My mom's also from LA, so I don't have the Boston accent. But um, yeah, one of the things that I did back in March of last year, is I was sitting around just kind of feeling, yeah, effeminate. And I was like, I'm going to go build something. So I asked my mom, I was like, can I go use this part of the yard and build something? She's like, yeah, sure. We have kind of raw materials. So I built a patio and, a, and a put in posts and I built a pizza oven and a big cover on it. And it's like this beautiful outside, you know, <laughs> Forno area that I built. And it's like one of my proudest things that I've done. It was just like, I needed to have a project. And this podcast also was kind of one of those creations. And for me, so you, you've been building my testosterone for over an hour and a half about now. So I appreciate oh, that okay. too. Cause this is one of my, uh, this is one of my testosterone builders for sure. Congratulations. That's really great. And thanks for letting me be a part of that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Thank you so much. Well, it's been great having you on and uh, I uh, hope to talk to you again in the future. Certainly. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was my guest, John Gray, author of Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus, as well as many other books in the area of relationships. He has had a successful career both in his writings and in counseling, as well as leading relationship seminars. I hope you took something away from this episode as I did, and I look forward to having you back here for the next one. Thank you.